Come on, let's welcome Chapel Downtown. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to look at the back of that room, this room, and look at the camera and say, good morning, Chapel Downtown. I heard you've had amazing services this morning. So great to see you. Let me add my welcome to the one that's already been given. Glad to have you here with us. How's everybody feeling? Good? Good. Uh, Before we dive into the message today, I wanted to let you know, maybe you're new around here, something that is big on our heart at the end of every year, and that is between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we always think as a church... How can we make a difference in our world, in our city? And we think about uh, just challenging ourselves, not just to be consumers at Christmas time. How many know that's a challenge, isn't it? Like the culture's trying to get us to buy this and do this. And, and we, we love celebrating Christmas, but we also love just thinking about how we can make a bigger impact around the world. And so uh, last Christmas, we did something special. We partnered with Convoy of Hope, a missions agency to bring, um, to bring help to women in third world countries that were in poverty. And uh, it's through a program called Women's Empowerment. $1,000, a woman that she is uh, connected through a Jesus preaching church and trained in how to start a micro business. And so last Christmas, you all were incredibly uh, generous. You, you, you helped over 100 women. We challenged you to help 25. You helped over 100 around the world. And our team, a couple members of our team, Katie and Emily, had a chance to go to El Salvador um, just last month and get to visit and meet some of the women that you helped last year start their, uh, their businesses, thriving businesses, 26 women uh, in El Salvador that had their businesses started last year, and they had a chance to see them. And I wanted you to get a chance to just uh, see that video because one of Convoy of Hope's main leaders, agriculturalists, they call him Dr. Dirt. We got to interview him, and so I wanted you to be able to check that out. Chapel family, this is Emily from our South Campus team, and we're here in El Salvador with Convoy of Hope. Today, we are here with Jason Struble, who is their agriculture specialist, and he's going to give us a bigger picture of what Convoy of Hope does. It boils down to this. They call me Dr. Dirt because I have a PhD in soil science, and I have a heart to see people come to Christ. What I love on what we do and what I have the opportunity to do is work with kids in schools to work with farmers, to work with moms, to create those sustainable systems. And I think we got to see it just the other day where there was a 12-year-old kid here in El Salvador that was teaching us about drought-resistant farm management strategies. And what that represents isn't just a 12-year-old kid. It represents a generational change because they've been given the knowledge that they need to produce crops and to problem solve for generations to come in a way that they didn't know they had the ability to do. And to me, that's part of the exciting piece is that slowly one child, one farmer, one mom at a time, I am honestly working myself out of a job and it's all in the name of Jesus and dirt. We also work with, as you know, Women's Empowerment, where we're working with moms on entrepreneurial pieces to help them become amazing capitalists so that they can provide the income and the resources for their kids. We work with empowered girls that are on the preventative side to make sure that girls can grow up knowing that they were created by an amazing creator and that they've got dignity and they've got identity and they've got purpose and that they can do amazing things. And then we do it on the agriculture side to make sure that we have the right food, the right amount of food, but we also know how to produce it and process it so that ultimately 
between children's feeding and nutrition and women's empowerment and empowered girls and agriculture, we have the opportunity as Convoy to leave an entire community better than we and then we found it and completely sustainable. We've loved our time here in El Salvador and we are just honored to partner with a organization as great as Convoy of Hope. And we are excited to bring this vision home to you guys. So uh, here's the challenge this Christmas time. Uh, not equal giving, but all participation is our prayer. And you got a little uh, envelope in your worship guide that looks like this. And you just pray about what you, your family can do. I think all of us can do $10, $20. I had some families say, no, we could change a whole family's life for $1,000. But you pray uh, what, what your family can do. No pressure from us, but we'd just love to have us all participate. I know we're talking to our kids, like what if we bought you a little bit less stuff and help missions, and so those have been amazing conversations. And uh, but it's an opportunity for us to all be generous and make a difference. You, there's a, a click on the website too that says Christmas mission, or you can just write it on the memo line. But thank you in advance. I just love the idea that this holiday season we're saying let's not just be about us. Let's make a difference around the world. Cool. Okay, great. Uh, let me give you two dates, and then we're going to dive in this weekend. Two dates that are coming up just to jot down and be aware of. First of all, December 29th, we call this Volunteer Appreciation Sunday. We're, we're so thankful each weekend, chapel teams, hundreds of them, uh, team members help us pull off weekend services. That's coffee, uh, kids ministry, parking, worship, media. I mean, everywhere you can imagine people serving. In fact, even right now at both of our campuses, people taking care of our kids and investing the story of Jesus in their life. Come on, let's give it up for kids work leaders, right? And, and yeah, so thankful for them. But but once a year, you know, 51 Sundays a year, you come to us for church. We thought, what if once a year we came to you? And so that means that if you come to church on December 29th, you will be alone, okay? So uh, we're going to Facebook Live, a devotional for us all that weekend, a chance for you to spend time with family, to prioritize your own uh, time with family. And so make sure you take note of that after really busy Christmas Eve services. We'll give all of our teams a little break on that weekend, Volunteer Appreciation Sunday. And then we're, we're coming back real strong in January. Maybe you just want to jot this down. We're starting with a week of prayer in January. How many know you need God this year? Anybody need God like a lot, right? Like 2020. And so we're going we're gonna to spend a whole week in prayer each morning at both of our physical locations. We'll have 6.30 a.m. prayer. Okay, 6.30 a.m. prayer. One hour of prayer Monday to Friday. Then that Saturday, January 11th, we'll have one hour of prayer from 9 to 10 a.m. Just our whole church. We'll, we'll give you some prayer booklets, some resourcing, chances to consider some different fasts, whether it be food or technology, but just some ways for us to not limp into the new year year, but to sort of have a, a little holiday detox. How many know you need that after the sugar cookies and Thanksgiving, right? And a little detox and get ourselves ready spiritually and physically and emotionally for all God has for us in the next year. So that's coming week of prayer, okay? Um, today I want to talk to you about all the people. We're, we started this little series a couple weeks ago called Different What's it like to celebrate Christmas differently? And, and what, what does the Bible describe the different ways that the early church celebrated Christ's coming? And today I want to talk to you about people. And I would just remark as I look through the Christmas story this year at all the different kinds of people. They're so diverse. 
There, there's, there's rich and poor. There's people from every different nationality. There's people with different religious upbringings and irreligious people. And I was just amazed sort of reading through the Christmas story again how diverse the, 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 the audience was that Christ came to reach and how diverse the crowd is in the different parts of the Christmas story. In fact, it shouldn't surprise us because when the angels came to tell the shepherds that Jesus was being born, here's what the angels said, Luke 2, 10. Angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to what? Come on, to to all people, you know, to all people. Come on, say that one more time with me, all people, come on. I'll give you a secret. When you talk back louder to me, it makes me preach faster, okay? So all people, it's this incredible uh, story that's for all people, and and that's what we see throughout the Christmas story, all the possibilities that God had and all the different kinds of people that, that are reached because of him. And one of the things I've found that's amazing about life is people. And one of the things I've found frustrating about life is, come on, is what? Is people, I mean, people are creative and wonderful and made in the image of God. And people are very frustrating in the same way, right? In fact, every once in a while, I'll, we'll have somebody at Growth Track. I remember a few years ago, um, one of my favorite uh, baristas at Starbucks came to our church. She's like the most outgoing, kind person I'd ever met. And she came to Growth Track and she was at step two and she's signing up for a team. And I said, I can already tell what team you're going to be on. And she said, what? And I said, well, man, every morning I walk into Starbucks, 6.30 a.m., you are warm and kind and chipper and, 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 and you, you're made for hospitality. And she said, don't you dare make me do anything in hospitality. <laughs> said, I'm looking to volunteer in the corner of the church where I don't have to talk to anyone, see anyone, or speak to anyone. She had done that all week, you know what I mean? And she said, I, I've reached my fill of people all week, and, and I, I don't want to do that in church. And so, man, all of us know, know the challenges of people, right? In fact, we have this um, stoplight right near my house, and, and I've timed how many cars can make through on the left green arrow. So sometimes when I pull up to the red light, I'll count how many cars are in front of me, and I'll know whether or not I can make the next green arrow. And it works perfectly when... We all participate. <laughs> so I'll, I'll pull up next behind a car. I'll count the cars. Okay, good. This is enough, enough to go through. And the other day, the light turns green and everybody starts moving. But the car in front of me, she had her head down. And I got to see her moving her hand. And I knew she was on some kind of device. And so uh, I just, I don't know. I, I have this problem. I'm a Christian in every sphere of life. But when I get behind the wheel, I'm only half saved. Come on. <laughs> and... So Katie's always saying to me, so I'm, I'm, I see this lady, I'm going, oh, I go, and she don't say anything, Brian, they could be from the church, and, you know, <laughs> and I said, well, that'd be great, I, as their pastor, should clearly help them in this area of their life, <laughs> need a little bit of coaching, and so I had a moment where I had to decide uh, how, to, how, to, how to honk, and, and I wanted to bring the heat, you know, the, uh, Let's go. This is rude. It's inconsiderate. Not only that, you're texting and driving, which is dangerous. Not only that, I'm going to miss my green arrow, and, 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 and then I'll have to wait like three more minutes. But I resisted every impulse that I had. My wife reminded me I had a chapel sticker on the car, and I said, okay. So I did the Christian honk. You know what a Christian honk is? Beep, beep. <laughs> It's a double beep, which is just like a, like a, I'm happy. And she, oh, is that really? And she got up and hit the gas. And then we still missed the light, I'm telling you. 
Man, the reality of life is it's joyful because people bring so much joy in our life, but people also bring so much challenge in our life. And so I want you to look at the Christmas story with me this weekend, and let's look at the different kinds of people that, that Jesus encounters in that day that Christmas is for, and, and it's the same for us today. And, and the first couple is a couple that was to give birth to John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist, if you're not familiar with Luke chapter 1, he was the one who came ahead of Jesus, who came to prepare the way for Jesus and his parents Zechariah and Elizabeth had wanted to give birth their whole life and had struggled in that department in fact let me show you the verse Luke chapter 1 and verse 7 they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both look how politically incorrect the Bible is they were both very old (laughs) how would you like to be Elizabeth one day in heaven yeah and you are who I'm Elizabeth of whom the Bible says I'm very old (laughs) And they had gone through their whole life, especially in the ancient world, when your name and lineage and wealth was so connected to being able to to have a child. And so they had gone through this. And here's the first principle I see this weekend. Christmas, Christmas is for, just write this down. Christmas is for, say it with me, for who? For for disappointed people. Disappointed people. I, I really believe that Christmas is for disappointed people. And I think part of life is going through disappointments. And going through frustrations and navigating life. And Zechariah and Elizabeth had had to battle a large portion of their life, unable to fulfill some of their dreams. And they had walked through disappointment and they're navigating that and dealing with that. And all of us have been disappointed, you know. Uh, all of us have been disappointed. All of us have known what it's like to be frustrated. And, 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 and I, I wrote this down this week. It's okay to be frustrated. It's just not okay to live frustrated, Right? So it's okay to be disappointed. It's just not okay to live disappointed. So all of us are going to go through life. In fact, you know a whole bunch of the Bible is people disappointed. There's a whole section of Psalms called the imprecatory Psalms where people just complain to God. You know, In fact, you should read them some days. They're great. Like, how long, God? And what are you thinking, God? And where were you, God? And what's going on, God? And, and, and it's just our frustrations bubbling up, the writer's frustrations bubbling up to God. And the truth is we'll all know frustrations and disappointments in life. It's part of life. All of us will know those things, but not letting them define us and learning to express our frustrations to God. How many know God can handle our frustrations? In fact, you ever had anybody going through a bunch of trouble and difficulty and you ask them how they're doing and they're doing too well? You know what I mean? Like, I'm so good, I'm full of faith and I'm, I'm great and the Lord is good. Amen, I'm too blessed to be stressed, anointed. How many, know, how many know God knows when you're lying in your prayers, right? In fact, sometimes in the Bible they just say, God, I don't, tr- I, don't, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand what you're trying to do. I'm frustrated in this situation. How many believe God's shoulders are big enough to handle our complaints, right? And so, and so Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're living disappointed, but they're disappointed, but they let that slip into a danger in their life where they live disappointed. And so when God comes and gives them this promise, instead of being filled with faith and learning the rebound and learning to have endurance and trust and optimism in life, they let it settle in. That's the danger where their souls become calcified and the negativity settles in around them so that when God tells them they're going to give birth through an angel, they argue back at the angel. So time out. If you want to know how you've slipped into, dis- into being depressed or bitter, it's when an angel shows up in your room and you argue with it, Right? In fact, God, God gets so sick of this. Ladies, you would love this. Wait till you see what, what Zechariah gets for Christmas. Then the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It's he who sent me to bring you the good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, 
Zechariah. You'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled. So she just makes him unable to talk. How great is that? I don't want to say would you, how many would sign up for your spouse to get that present, because we don't need to be admitting that in church, you know. But instead of just being disappointed, they start to live disappointed. Instead of just being frustrated, they start to live frustrated, and it takes on their speech is dominated by that. And they begin to be bitter. That's the danger, not, not to be disappointed or hurt, but when that becomes your identity and you start to live that. And so, so he speaks that and God shuts his mouth. And man, there's so much power in our words, isn't there? In fact, look what James says about the power of our words. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. So so here's what James is saying. Your tongue is a small part of your body, but it causes you all kinds of trouble. Where are the people, come on downtown and south, we're going to confess our sins one to another. Come on, where are the people that you just got foot in mouth disease? Come on, raise your hand. You're just, some of you don't have your hand raised and I know you. And uh, I'll tell you after, you do, you know. Man, this is the challenge, is what James says, that our, that our body, he says, like a horse, this majestic big animal is driven by a little bit in the horse's mouth, or like a ship that, that comparatively the rudder is tiny behind it, and yet it directs the life of it, that thing, or, or just put it this way, the tongue is tiny, but it's titanic in its power, okay? Like just a little word along the way, just a, just a little comment, just a little, oh. And the tongue in, is tiny but titanic in its power. And this is what happens to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They get bitter, they get discouraged, they get disappointed, and they take on that identity. And let me encourage you this weekend, if you've been disappointed, you can express your, your disappointment to God. And if you've been frustrated, you can express your frustration to God. But don't live disappointed. And don't live frustrated, for then you double your sorrow. You experience the pain and disappointment, and then you make everybody around you miserable, Right? So God has come for, for, Christmas has come for disappointed people. Here's the second thing, I love this. Uh, Christmas has come for stressed out people. Where am I stressed out people? Come on, I, I tell you what, I, I don't need to get invited to one more Christmas party. I don't need to. I've had so many Christmas parties and my wife said to me the other day, I was looking at about a 10 day block and I had five parties and she said, this is gonna be so fun, isn't it? And I said, this is gonna be the worst we have five parties in 10 days. I don't even know how to fake the cheer that whole time. You know what I mean? Like cookie parties and hangout parties. And, and I just can't handle it anymore, okay? I don't know about you. How many know Christmas is a stressed out season, isn't it? I don't know if you know this, but in some of our Christmas carols, there are lies. In fact, on one of them is that all that one night Jesus was born, all was calm and all was bright. Now, I've been there four times when my wife gave birth, and I would not describe it as calm or bright. In fact, one time she's pushing, and I always saw in the movies, you're supposed to rub your wife's back. So I kind of came in, she's, and I kind of, okay. And she said, don't touch me. I said, oh, she didn't mean it. So I waited, kind of gave her some space for 30 minutes. She's sweat pouring down, working hard. And I come behind her, it's going to be okay. And she said, if you touch me again, I'm going to ask them to remove you from the room. 
like, this is not a lie. She wanted nothing to do with me. I went in the lobby. There was a subway near where the waiting room was. I just got a foot long sub, not a lie. Sat down with all my family. They said, are you supposed to be in there? I said, I'm taking a lot of heat in there. I think I'm safer <laughs> out here. And I had me a sub. How many know Christmas is for stressed out people? I mean, you think Mary and Joseph are, are, are in a good place? Let me repaint the picture for you. Mary and Joseph are engaged, and Mary announces to her fiancé that she's pregnant, and it's the Lord's baby. Now, I know we're spiritual, so, but like, really? For real? How many know you don't believe that, right? I'm pregnant, Joseph, but it's the Lord's baby. Oh, okay. The Bible says... Joseph is a righteous man and is going to divorce her quietly to not embarrass her. But an angel comes in the night and says, no, this is really true. And so they're giving birth in Galilee, this little place with strict and religious and righteous values. So they're facing all this enormous relational pressure and stress from city and cultural shame in their ancient world. And then when she's eight and a half months pregnant, they're taking a trip by mule to pay their taxes. All is calm. All is bright. I want you to imagine Joseph comes to Mary and says, hey babe, I know we're a couple weeks away from delivery day. What, what would you think about, I, I rented a, a mule and I thought I'd just put you on it and we'd just take a couple day trip to the city to pay our taxes. And this idiot didn't even get an Airbnb because he shows up there's no place to stay. And all of a sudden, she's in labor. It's not calm or bright. It, it's not, I mean, there's animals around, and, and they're in a faraway place, and, and they're anything but. They're, how many are grateful? Hey, hey, how many are grateful that Christmas is for stressed out people, right? Stressed out people. I don't know what you're facing or dealing with, but Christmas is for people that are dealing with stress. Mary and Joseph were. Not only do you have Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth, there's another group of people that I see in this story. They're, 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 they're smart, uh, rich magi. Okay, They live far away in the east and they worship another god. But somehow, I want you to see it, God brings them to the scene, Matthew 2. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of, of Herod. And, and this time there were some wise men from the eastern lands who arrived in Jerusalem and they asked this question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Here's how they got there. Waves took him there. We saw his star as it rose. And we have come to what? To worship him. Now, man, a lot of people debate, scholars, astrologists, uh, 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 astrophysicists, theologians, how did this star leave? I only know that God literally moved the galaxies to bring these handful of guys to worship him, because here's the third group of people, and I really think it's true. God has come. Christmas has come. Come on, somebody, for, for who? Come on, say it with me. Come on, let's say it one more time like we mean it. Like God's come for who? For, for lost people. I love this, that God is literally going to move the planets. The, 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 all, he's going to move the universe to get a handful of guys to worship his son. And Christmas, catch this, is not about humanity getting their way to divinity. Christmas is not about us finding a baby in a manger. Christmas is about a baby who came from heaven to earth to find us, right? Christmas is about God finding lost things. 
heaven coming to earth, God leaving a place of uh, celestial perfection to come into our messy world to rescue us. And hey, I, hey, I want you to know this. God is still in the business of reaching lost people. You need to know that. Hey, friends, in the earlier services today, you just need to know this. 25 to 30 people took steps to place their faith. Come on, this morning at the chapel in Jesus. Lost people, lost people. This church is for lost people. We've always dreamed about building a church where even if you're, you're in between faith, trying to figure it out, kicking the tires, aren't sure of where you believe, they say, can I belong to the chapel? I don't know where. Listen, we want you to feel safe and be able to sit back and hear about this wonderful Savior that can change your life. Jesus came, Christmas came for lost people. In fact, I want to just share with you two ways that we as a church going into 2020 are going after lost people. Here's the first one. This year, we're going to Scott's Edition. Come on, downtown. This year, we're relocating from our location in the fan. Feb end of January, early February, sometime in March. So, uh, you know, kind of in there. Team's working hard on the building, renovate. And we're moving into Scott's Edition. Fastest growing part of downtown Richmond. There were, there's restaurants, breweries, tons of condos, people living there. And we're going to reach people with the message of Jesus in Scott's edition. My wife and I, last year, when we were thinking about this move, we were, we were sort of grieving the loss of our building in the fan. How many have been to Park Ave, right? Like, it's beautiful building in the fan. It's, it, it, it's got the pillars, and it's got this park across the street, and this little shop you can get a sandwich across the street, and, and it's just beautiful. And it, it, I've done a bunch of weddings there. I married, I performed the, my uh, sister's wedding. I was going to say I married my sister. We're not that kind of church. Uh, <laughs> perform my sister's wedding there. Uh, we're not, turn to the person next to you and tell them that's not this kind of church. Come on, just tell them not this kind of church. So uh, perform my sister's wet, wedding ceremony there. Man, I said, we're gonna miss the charm of this. But, but we had to choose as a church the best space to do kids ministry, best space to make space to, to people to worship Jesus. And we said, listen, let's choose people over pretty. Hey, hey, let's choose people over pretty. Hey, friends, let's choose people over pretty, right? And reaching people, going to where they are. So that's coming this year. Can't wait to see all God does in Scott's edition. And then let me tell you another way this next year, one more thing that we're doing to help reach people for Jesus. At, right here at our Midlothian campus, we're, we're launching, catch this, a fourth weekend worship service. It is going to be at 4.30 p.m. So if those of you here at 11.15 and you're like getting here before the crack of noon, it's tough. We got another option for you, okay? 9.30 and 11.15 and getting tight. Once in a while, people got to sit out in the lobby. And if you're out there in the lobby, we're glad you're out there today. But we thought, man, what if, what if as we make long-term plans for this campus, we also just made some more space? And so I want you to know the, the shortest missions trip you could ever take here at 11.15 is to come to the 4.30 service. And so we also began to think of all the people that work shift work and in, in law enforcement and first responders and medical community. And then I began to think about everybody that's got kids softball and soccer and baseball and crazy schedules. And we said, man, what if we created an identical experience with all of the intentionality we do in the morning to worship at, at evening time? So help us get the word out to family members, friends. It's going to be identical. I, I grew up in church where they had the Sunday night service and it was like a, like a JV experience. It's not that, okay? It's a fourth service, identical to the morning. Probably the only thing we'll add is hot dogs. And uh, 
just to get you there, right? And so, how many are excited to see what God's going to do at 4.30, right? So all we're trying to do, all we're trying to do is make space for lost people to find a connection to God, for lost people to find a connection to God. In fact, I want you to see how much God's reaching out to people because we read a verse of it, but let me show you it. Luke 2 and verse 8. And that night there were what in the fields? There were what? Shepherds. Think about, we make this romantic view of shepherds, don't we, with our little uh, sets with the, and their shepherds. and their Shepherds in the ancient world were despised people. They were seen as unclean. They lived in the fields. In fact, their testimony was not allowed in court because they were seen as shady. Okay, it was one of the most despised professions of the ancient world. And yet when the angel chooses who he reveals Jesus coming to, he would shock the world. It's not a bunch of businessmen and women in, in some ivory tower. It's shepherds in a field. They're guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appears around them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Here's the fourth kind of people that God shows up. He shows up to help who? To help who? All people. Every person. Far and wide. The shepherds were embarrassing people. It was a despised trade. And yet Jesus came to rescue them. And let me say this this weekend. God doesn't have a favorite group of people. God doesn't prefer the rich over the poor. Can somebody say amen to that, right? God doesn't prefer the poor over the rich. Can somebody say amen? God, hey, hey, hey. God doesn't prefer Democrats more than Republicans. And God... And God God doesn't prefer Republicans over Democrats. Wow. In fact, do you know we're heading into an election year? I don't know if you've heard that. I had this prayer for 2020. Tell me if it offends you. I had this prayer. My goal today is just to offend everyone, not, not everyone. My goal this next year is to see actually us grow in Republicans and Democrats at the chapel. Hey. Because, hey, we, we, we're about another kingdom, right? And uh, Listen, I'm for voting and engagement and following politics. But listen, what if we're here to reach every man, woman, and child in this area with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? How, how many know we have something bigger than getting someone in a White House, right? We want to we see, see all people. Come on, we want to see who? We want to see all people. My daughter... Uh, one of my daughter's good friends in our neighborhood is uh, her family's Hindu. And they don't practice, um, they don't celebrate Christmas. And so my daughter just this past week asked my wife and I, hey, can I buy, and she mentioned her friend's name, can I buy her a Christmas gift? And we said, well, does her family celebrate Christmas? She said, no, her family doesn't celebrate Christmas. And I said, well, then maybe you shouldn't buy her a Christmas gift. It could be offensive, maybe, I don't know. And she said, well, no, I want to buy her a Christmas gift. She named what it was. And I said, well, baby, I think their family believes different than we do. And so I don't know if that would be offensive to them if you buy her a Christmas gift or not. And she said, well, no, no, no. I know she's a Christian. And I said, well, how do you know your friend's a Christian? I mean, they don't, her family doesn't celebrate Christmas, and so maybe she's not. And she, she said, no, 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 no. I know she's a Christian because I, I see that she puts up gingerbread houses. <laughs> Ever had a pastor fail in your life? I said, I'm going to have to break this to you, Piper. Gingerbread houses are not in, in Holy Scripture, you know. And she said, well, maybe, maybe I, she said, but even if I buy her a Christmas present, do you think she'll really turn it down? Maybe that will open her heart to Christmas. So think of how wonderful this is. My daughter wants to bribe someone into the kingdom of God. 
Listen, I'm not saying we bribe people, but I'm saying this. What if the chapel is a place that is on the mission of God to see our neighbors, our schools, our family, our community changed by the gospel of Jesus? Right? All people. All people. All people. All right. All right. Let me give you the last category, and then we're going to close today, and I'll turn it back over to, to, to downtown. But let me give you the last category, and it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird category, but, but Mary gives birth to Jesus and takes him to the temple to dedicate him. And in that moment, Simeon is kind of a downer, okay? And I want you to just see this, Luke 2 and verse 34. So Mary's dedicating Jesus at the temple, and instead of just letting her enjoy his, her infant, here's what he says. This man, this baby Jesus, has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him, right? So you're like, hey, and you're like, oh, lots of people are going to oppose him. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to enjoy my baby, Simeon. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, okay? And he's going to die, and a sword will pierce your very own soul too. So God bless that little baby. How many know some people should just shut their mouth? Come on. (laughs) But Simeon prophesies over Jesus something that's true, that he's going to give his life He's come not just to live, but he's come to die. How many know in, in the shadow of the manger, there's a cross, right? He's come to lay down his life. And he says, not only that, Mary, you're going to know the pain of a mother who's lost a child. I, I didn't even know how to describe this person, but just last, last category of people. God's come, God's come to save brash people <laughs> or, or gruff people or blunt people. Have you ever met somebody who tells it like it is? I'm going to tell you, if you tell it like it is, it means you're just rude. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Right? Listen, here's the point. Christ has come for all different kinds of people, including Simeon. And let me say this. As a church, I, I wrote this down. Don't avoid or don't avoid the messy people that Jesus spent most of his time with on earth. And if we're not careful, friends, we spend all our life avoiding messy people, don't we? Be honest. How many of you have ever been at a grocery store and you see somebody and you, if they don't see you, you turn the opposite direction? Come on. Or at Walmart, anyone? Oh, I'm going to avoid them. Did they see me? I don't know. Just keep going. Keep your head down. We're almost out of here. Jesus came to reach even the frustrating and the unloving. He came to reach even the inconvenient people by his grace. I love these words of the old hymn, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Uh, A lot of Christmases we've had this tradition since I've been married, and that is a day or two after Christmas we'll load up the car, and we'll go to where my in-laws are retired in Zephyr Hills, Florida. And uh, it's funny, they have a two-bedroom house, and six of us sleep in one bedroom. How many know I love my wife, don't I? I mean, to do that. Six of us. And my father-in-law says, there's no problem. We have lots of air mattresses. So we... I can't tell you how many Christmases the night comes and we're blowing up these air mattresses and fitting them around the bed. And Katie and I are in the bed. You try to get up in the night. It's like you're stepping on an air mattress and one of the kids kind of lifts them up. Is that a pillow or their head? Step slowly. You know, like just trying to find a spot for your feet and falling out, you know. 
Like, I'm just going to pee the bed in a second, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, one year, my, my in-laws, they've had the same air mattresses since 1964, and they say they, they're fine, they're not. And so in the middle of the night, my son says, Dad, there's no more air in the air mat. It's, you know, we blew it up, and it seemed fine, but now it just, just goes out, and it's just sleeping on the floor. And I said, it's fine, just sleep, sleep on the floor. So... A little while later, all of a sudden I hear, <laughs> middle of the night, he's just blowing the air mattress up. I can't sleep on the floor. So the next night I said, fine, you sleep in bed with mom. I'll sleep on the floor on an air mattress. Now let me ask you something. If my 51-pound son, the air mattress leaks on him, how many know I just lay down and just, I just sink right to the floor? My father-in-law says, these are great. Really, Ron? Because I can hear the wind leaving. It's going to kill you to spend eight fifty at Walmart. I mean, and I'll just tell you one more thing because my wife and I need marriage counseling every January. He keeps the heat at 80. So I'm laying on the floor. I roll over and the sheet just comes with me. Just, I'm sweaty. I can't get up. Everybody's in the same room coughing. And the whole night I just say, please tell me it's morning. Please tell me it's morning. Please, please, just this is the worst experience of my life. My wife says, no, it's about family. Well, really? You know what it's taught me for years? Christmas is inconvenient. And it just got me thinking, look, that's kind of true. Christmas is very inconvenient. Because Jesus had everything he needed in Eternal communion with God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune of God, Trinity of God, communicating in perfection in heaven throughout all of the history. Throughout all of time and eternity, they were there. Yet because of our sin, he had to do something very inconvenient. He had to put upon himself human flesh, leave heaven and come to earth to give his life for us. And then the Bible says, even though he committed no sin, Jesus, and had done nothing wrong, all of the, the, the pain and the difficulty upon us went upon him. The Bible says, though he did nothing wrong, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin was upon him. But the great news is by his stripes we are healed. The great news is this Christmas, he was willing to be inconvenienced, eternity and divinity, inconvenience for humanity, that all of our brokenness and shame and pain and lostness and the devastation of our own lives could be swallowed up in the great God of grace who gave himself on a cross for us. Hey friends, I have great news. There's hope in that, right? Enjoy in that. He was inconvenienced that we could have brand new life. Man, we want everyone to know that life. So I'm going to pray for us today, and then I'm going to turn it back over to downtown. Would you bow with me? And no one's moving. We just have a sacred moment here. Heads bowed downtown. And here, if you're here today and you're not sure where you're at in your relationship with God, we're not going to embarrass you or not going to ask you to get out of your seats or anything like that. But if you're here today and you say, Brandon, I'm not really sure of where I'm at in my own relationship with God, would you pray for me? No one's looking around, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Yep, thank you, yep, thank you. Others, you're not sure where you're at. You say, God, I want to give my life to you today. Just raise your hand up, put it right back down. Anybody else? Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Pray for me today. I'm not sure where I'm at. So prayer of faith, yeah, thank you so much. 
Not magic words, but it's just something that goes like this, something like this in your own way, in your own heart. God, I know I've sinned. I know I've come up short. But today I believe you died on a cross on the third day, conquered death, to take away my sin and my shame and to give me a new start. So today I don't run away. Today I run to you. I turn away from my sin. I ask you to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Give me a new start. Come and live in me. Today, God, I'm going all in with you. Be my Savior and my Lord, for I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, friends. Some people are taking steps of faith today. Come on. Yeah.